Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get to Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Get to Vet. This is Trevor Maxwell getting my name right two days in a row. And with me as always is... Man, we are on a roll and this is Mike Riggs. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, great episode today. Um, we've been we've been trying to get this going for a while, but uh, today is is a double first for us. So that's two cases of beer. We got our first uh, Air Force guest on here, and our first fighter pilot too. So um, Joseph Brown, I, I'm going to let him talk about. It. He's got a really cool thing going, and uh, I'm excited to share share it with you guys. And um, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Skillbridge too, because we started on that topic before we started recording. So Joseph, introduce yourself to everybody. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, my name is uh, Joey Brown. I uh, was in the Air Force active duty for seven years. I flew uh, F-15Es as a backseater. And so, you know, spent my time pretty much uh, either in flight training or in ops squadron. Uh, did two deployments in uh, 17, 18, and then 2019, right before I got out. Um, I got out in March of 2020. <laughs> so, uh, not the not the best timing, or maybe the best timing depends on how you look at it. But uh, pretty had a what I would consider a pretty successful uh, transition. Um, and then it was a few months after that that I really began to think about how um, it could have gone very differently. And that was where, well, I think how what we had talked about previously with another average Joe. That's where the idea was kind of born from. Was hey, I learned so much in such a short period of time in my transition. Um, you know, I need to help other folks because it doesn't always work out uh, the way it worked out for me. And um, in my case, I actually did a, a, what's called PALS chase. So I traded a portion of my active duty commitment for a commitment commitment with the guard, uh, which is a great program. I'm happy to talk to people about, but what that really meant for me was I didn't exactly know my separation date until um, about six months from the time I separated. So I, I kind of knew when my commitment was up, but then I was kind of waiting on the um, the approval process to get uh, submitted, which made my you know transition a lot a lot quicker than I'd planned. Um, and so that was kind of a quick little background on me. Yeah, I, I mean, gonna, that's not, go ahead, Trevor. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say because you said six months. Could you maybe like talk about uh, talk about how you feel about? having that little time to transition? Cause I know we talk to a lot of people and typically, you know, the one I hear most is like, you know, between 12 and 24 months. So I'd like to hear what that was like only doing it in six months. Yeah. So it, it was a very interesting uh, story. I think I um, had applied. And so the way it works is you can um, per the rules, you can, there's a certain amount you can ask for off of your commitment. Um, I asked for, I think it was like well over a year, you know, knowing I necessarily wasn't going to get that. And um, I'd applied a second time. Well, I got the little uh, notification from the Air Force Personnel Center said, hey, you've been approved for Palace Chase. 
Um, at the same time, our unit actually got activated on what used to be called the GRF for the Global Response Force for a, you know, like no notice real world deployment. When um, things with Iran were kind of getting interesting. So it was like, hey, I'm getting out, but you've got to go do this first as well. So I actually went and spent three months overseas, uh, came back. And so uh, let's see, August to February was my kind of turnaround time. Um, I had some personal stuff to, uh, when I got back, so it wasn't even really that long. Um, I had a few things kind of going for me. Um, I knew where I was going to live. Um, and I'd been, you know, kind of working on getting out for a while. So it was less of like, you know, a lot of uh, source members, I think, are, you know, oh, I'll, I don't know, maybe it's, it's an even split, but a lot of people struggle with that decision of where they're going to live, right? So I didn't have to kind of worry about that part of it. I knew an area and then I was able to kind of focus um, a lot more on the career aspect of it because I had the location and the housing pretty much taken care of. So I think that was what helped me with the short timeline. Um, and then the, one of the biggest things which we were talking about earlier is SkillBridge. I utilized SkillBridge and immediately applied. My commander was uh, super supportive. So I was able to get the paperwork done in like record time and spent um, one of the shorter skill bridges. I think it was like only eight weeks, I think, but that was just really all the time I had to, you know, to spare uh, before I got out. Um, and I actually did a skill bridge with Elite Meat working for Zach Hughes uh, when he was the COO. So that's kind of, that was how I, I handled it. And uh, I think doing that skill bridge really kind of accelerated that and helped me the most. So let's just talk some more about SkillBridge because I think that is one of the most under-advertised, underutilized programs in the DOD. And being the, you know, I can put both hats on from being in command leadership and, and, and understand why, why it's, uh, especially from the Navy's perspective, you know, I can understand why if, you know, command leadership doesn't necessarily want to put that on the on the bulletin board and why they're not putting it out at, uh, you know, the, the command meetings and functions and saying, hey, guess what, everybody, we all need to take advantage of this. Because the fact that in, in the Navy, I don't know about the other services, but when when we as the command leadership team assume the risk and allow folks to go and do skill bridge, we assume the risk of that position not getting filled because just because we let them go to do the skill bridge, we're not going to get a, a backfill or a relief. So we're, we're assuming the risk and the mission or whatever that we're going to be able to go and continue on and be able to do that without them. Now I'll also say in my opinion, almost anybody now there's skill there, there are skill sets and, and critical uh, skills out there that I think, would be very hard to to do that with and i think that warrants you know a a, a tough look and, and those are tough decisions but i think for the most part you know and trevor and i and i'm sure you've had to too in your line of work you have to train you know for the person's job to the left and the right and up and down so when you develop that combat mindset in leadership and understanding that people need to be able to move laterally and longitudinally and be able to cover down on folks in the event that something were to happen, you know, and like in a, what happened in a combat situation that allows organizational flexibility, you know, so I think great leaders can institute that in their organizations and 
be able to accommodate a lot of these things. So, you know, but the, the, the great thing about SkillBridge, because I'm in one, you know, it, it is by far one of the best things I think out there that prepare, prepares uh, folks in the DOD for the, for the next step. You know, it was, it was designed, I, I could be wrong, but it was around 2011, I believe, when they came up with the idea. And the idea was to reduce the amount of DOD folks who are applying for unemployment. And, and that it was proposed to be a cost savings measure on the, on the other end. So, and I think from talking with uh, Matt Quick, I believe he said 85% of the folks who go into the SkillBridge program end up receiving employment offers or opportunities as a result of. So that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal data point to, to take into consideration with this thing. So, you know, and it's, and I think it puts folks at ease and gives them identity as they walk out that gate for that last time. And that's just, it's such a, it's like, a, I keep reiterating this, but it's such a phenomenal opportunity. I think it's, it by far exceeds tap class GPS and anything else that I think that we offer as a service on the way out for folks. I completely agree. So one thing I want people to understand about SkillBridge, and you kind of touched on a little of it there, right? So I, worked with my commander, um, you know, and it, it helped in my case, right? I just got back from deployment as, you know, as far as our manning numbers at the squadron level, they were okay. So obviously that that's something that's going to be, you know, unit and job specific to whether you can do that or not. Um, the other part of it that you can, you know, as a, as a military member that you can kind of um, help it, you know, help yourself get in, into the skill bridge program is it, it's not, you know, it's not a free pass, right? Like in order to do and get approved for it, you need to kind of show, and I forget the exact verbiage, but essentially like, you know, you talked about the stat of the percentage of people getting hired. You either need to show that there's a high chance this company is going to hire you or they're going to train you in some kind of skill that makes you marketable in whatever it is you're trying to do when you get out. So like a apprenticeship, you know, if you're going into a trade or whatever. So if you can prove that and find that company, which there's a lot of them out there, right? Um, that is really where you're going to get the most benefit because either you found a company you want to work for and it's essentially, you know, it could be almost like a six month long job interview for that company, you know, no risk to them essentially, and they don't have to pay. Um, or you learn a very valuable trade. I've seen it that used that way as well with like trade programs, right. Where people learn, uh, welding or, you know, whatever it is, um, that those are kind of the two routes I see taken most often. And, and so if you're thinking about getting out and, you know, either of those things interest you, I would encourage you to start looking at that early because you can apply further out, but I think it's only six months is the max that you can yeah. use. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think too, part of that approval process to be a DOD skill bridge provider is there's kind of that expectation of like, Hey, if you're going to take this person on as a, a skill bridge intern that, you know, the opportunities there for you to hire them afterwards, they don't necessarily have to accept, but um, I think that's because I remember like uh, a company I was with where they were like, hey, yeah, let's get approved for SkillBridge. And then they looked at me and they're like, hey, Trevor, go do all that stuff to get us approved. <laughs> so I yep. went through it and, you know, I was like, oh, OK. But um, I, I definitely think it's awesome. I, I wish I would have known about it. I, I think maybe I would have planned my transition a little differently had I known about it. And 
Um, but yeah, the, the other thing too is the amount of senior leadership that doesn't know anything about it. Like, you know, I was telling you guys before, I was talking to a, a you know, a very senior officer who's in charge of a lot of people and runs a big, you know, he, I guess you could say he's kind of a big deal, but he was like, Skillbridge, what's that? He's like, I've heard him say it before, but I don't know what it is. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. How, you know, here's one of the, this awesome deal for people that are getting out and, and here's, <laughs> you know, these, these people don't know about it. And, you know, I guess I kind of look at it as like, look, man, if, if you know, somebody's getting out there within a year of getting out and, and you, you know, it's going to be a critical failure without them for that last six months. I kind of look at that as like, well, that seems like a kind of a key leader failures there because it's like, you know, that person's going to be gone. Why are you, why wouldn't you let them take on that opportunity? Well, I think people too, on first glance, when they look at Skillbridge, they think, well, it's an internship. And when everybody thinks internship, they think, okay, you're, you're a kid that just got out of undergrad. And now you're uh, at an, in, you know, you're, you're an intern at a radio station and you're getting coffee and making copies, you know? So I think sometimes people get that at first, you know, notice of the program, but the fact of the matter is, is it, folks like what you, who you were just talking about, folks with that level of competency and experience, they can go in for major corporations. They, they, they can go in and do Skillbridge at an upper level management and leadership role. And that company can figure out where they fit and they, they can work there and, you know, if, if it's six months, if it's three months, if it's two months, they can see where they fit, if they're a fit and, and they can get to know the roles. You know, a lot of those companies use proprietary software. They can really get their knowledge base on that and see where they actually can really fit in with that company and, and in that culture, you know, and, and like we said earlier, there's a lot of those other things, you know, there's, I believe there's ones for automotive mechanics and, you know, there's onward opportunity is another one with doing uh, project management professional. Uh, there's uh, the agile, there's uh, tons and tons of IT certifications that onward opportunity offers in there. You know, the, it's just, you know, and I think I didn't mention it earlier, but I think when you're doing this, you have to, and we did a little bit, we touched on it, but you have to look at this as if you are, if you're pursuing it from a if you're pursuing it from a career perspective, you need to look at it as a career opportunity. You need to go out and seek the skill bridge. It's not like somebody's going to knock on your door and offer it to you. You can go on the websites and see what companies and nonprofits and things like that are offering skill bridge opportunities. But you have to go and get those things, and you have to go and, and seize those skill bridge opportunities and find your fit they're not just going to it's not like going to the barbershop and grabbing number you know 72 and then when 72 comes around you go do your skill bridge you have to seek that opportunity and then and, and make that happen just like you would any other career opportunity and that's where it really and also i think that helps you as well in the transition piece because it really gets you outward facing and it helps you prepare for interviewing and you know you have to get your you have to get a resume together i had to submit all that stuff i had to do a resume i had to i had to do an interview i had to do three interviews for for my skill bridge so it really starts getting you in tune for when you really got to play the game for real 
yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I kind of the same way, right? I was, there was a couple of different places I was looking at doing a skill bridge and it just happened with Elite Meet. I hopped on the opportunity as soon as I could, you know, and I was on the phone that night just talking to them about it. And uh, we had a few follow on conversations, but yeah, working through the paperwork and submitting it, you know, everything you know, was kind of that first step that, I, you know, for me at least as far as, man, this is, you know, it really showed me what I needed to work on, right? Because I was like, like you said, a resume, like, ah, I don't have a resume, you know, or I didn't. And um, thankfully, you know, they weren't like grilling me too hard on the, on the interview stuff, but it just opened my eyes to what I didn't know. So. Well, I think, uh, you know, where I really learned about SkillBridge from was through John McCaskill, who we had on the show before. And uh, he's a retired SEAL commander and he had an event in Virginia Beach Um and the story kind of like what Mike was saying there before they had a guy who was the former commanding officer of, of NAS Oceana. It's like the Navy, largest Naval air station um, in the, in the world uh, or the universe for that matter. But anyways, um, he came in and he was telling a story kind of like what Mike was saying, where he wanted to go work. I can't remember if it was at uh, Eastern Virginia medical school or CHKD over in Norfolk. And they said, well, you know, we really can't justify hiring you for any of these positions because you you have all this awesome stuff that you've done, but you don't have any like practical application as it pertains to what we do here. And he found out, you know, after the fact about DOD SkillBridge and he went and talked to the people there and they said, yes, had we known about this beforehand, we absolutely could have brought you in here and you could have gotten six months worth of experience and we could have hired you right as, you know, as soon as you retired. And I thought like, man, that's insane. That's a, a guy who was a commanding officer of a Navy base, super qualified to do all this stuff. And, you know, because of that little, that little thing that he didn't know about um, missed the, he missed an opportunity. I mean, he's doing fine. He's, he's uh, served his own franchise, but uh, he was telling me that story. And I thought, man, that, that sucks. And I think folks need to, also, it's up to 180 days, but you can do it. You can do it as little as I think we talked about two months or so. So use that as a negotiating tool with your chain of command. Don't go in there and go, it's 180 days or bus. I, I'm, you know, I got to have that. I mean, you need to be prepared as a service member, I believe, to go in there and go, hey, look, you know, if I don't get 180 days, I mean, 90 days is going to work for me and I need to go somewhere in between maybe, you know, the best alternative negotiated agreement, you know, the find that middle ground that will work for the, both organizations. And I think both both parties are going to come out ahead in the end, you know, and and, and, and it's, it's just going to work all around. But you just can't – you can't do the hard and fast, you know, because there are going to be those critical skills that I think some commands won't be able to – to do without, you know, I hear all the time about the haze grain underway things down there at NOB with rescue swimmers and stuff like that. You know, they, those are such hard, they're such in high demand, you know, that they're not probably not going to let rescue swimmers do, you know, skill bridge that often because they can't get ships underway without them. You know, so those, those guys are guys, guys and gals are going to be uh, few and far between getting skill bridge. But uh, you know, most, for most folks, I think that's, uh, you know, we, we can, from i think from my past experience we could we could make it happen yeah the what are they the seven p's prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance absolutely 
Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you, are you still, you're not still in your Skillbridge internship, are you, Joey? No. Uh, so yeah, I left active duty in March and I've been working at a small, uh, better owned company, uh, doing some defense, uh, contracting defense acquisition, contracting work for, uh, you know, since then year and however many months now. How, how are you enjoying that? Uh, I like it a lot. Um, it's different, right? Cause I went from, you know, flying in the cockpit to now dealing with like program schedules and budgets and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But for me, it, it, it's still, you know, I see the purpose in it. Right. And um, it's helping get technology out uh, to the guys that are still out there flying the mission. So I think that's fulfilling enough for me. How do you think your career from, you know, from being in the air force prior really helped set you up for success, you know, in your current career path? So I think the most, the way it helped me the most is just to have, you know, one thing that I'm seeing they struggle with a lot, right, is it, the guys are phenomenal engineers, um, but that's all they've done, right, or they're program managers from civilian backgrounds, um, and they don't understand, like, practically the, you know, applications of the operator or what he's, he or she thinks about or, you know, so the, the way they just approach it from a mindset is totally different, and so that's, I think, my biggest advantage to, to come in and say, like, from the very early stages, right, to catch these little things that would make it all the way to the end of a program, and now it's like a huge thing to go back and change. You know, it's <laughs> oh, you go ahead, Mike. I was <laughs> just thinking about to say the same thing as I am, but you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I know Harrison would, would beat me up for talk for saying you know soft skills and hard skills. You know, the the high human skills that we develop as as uh, you know DoD you know service members. But you, you're, that's one of the key things you're talking about right there is, is Harrison Bernstein talking about the high human skills, you know, and I think you're, you have a, don't you have a engineering degree from yep, aerospace? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, the, the ability to translate between folks like that, I think is where that's developed within years and years and years of, of, of being in the military and, and that leadership experience and, and being able to, speak the language and develop those relationships and, and, and being able to do that, just what you're talking about, you know? And I think that's where a lot of us sell ourselves short when we walk outside the gate, you know, and, and how do we, how do we quantify it? How do we translate it? How do we sell it? You know, how do we, how do we put it into interviews? How do we put that into context? I mean, that's, you know, doing the interview process with the honor foundation and, and those types of things that is difficult. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, and then talking about, you know, like I said, I think we talked about it in the last episode, it was, you know, flipping the switch from this is what we did to this is what I do. And this is what I can do for you. And that's another very difficult translation piece and a mental switch that you got to do in order to, speak to the corporate hiring manager to allow them to really understand what do you bring to the team for them? Yeah, no, it's something I definitely struggle with. I, so I used a company called, or a nonprofit called Canderful uh, to do interview prep with. And I mean, I highly recommend them. And they ask you those kind of questions, right? Like you go through the interview and you give, you know, you, you, you think you've thought about your answer, right? <laughs> and then you ask and they're like, well, why, well, why? like that simple question, well, why, did, why does this matter? Or can you explain that better to me is like some of the hardest questions to, to wrap your mind around. Cause you think 
oh, well, I've at least removed the acronyms and whatever, like it should be understandable. But no. And not only that, what you were just talking about, Mike, because you're, you, you know, so many service members are like, well, we as a team did this. They don't care. I mean, not that they don't care, but you're selling yourself short in a lot of ways when you can't translate. Yeah, your team did great stuff, but like, what did you do? Right. Cause your team's not getting hired. You are. Exactly. Yeah. Like Trevor and our, and, and I's profession, we, we get it beat into us literally and figuratively. It's not about you. It's about the team, you know? And, and so it's, you got to just almost, it's, it's a difficult thing to get it out of your mind and your mental picture. Cause it's it's just been you know two decades three decades of getting it just it's not about you it's not about you it's not about you <laughs> one of my one of my favorite memories of that getting it beat into me was when we were at EOD school and Mike you know how they have all the the class projects when you get through a division well one of those gnomes that was out on the demo range uh, Rick Cody and I snuck onto the compound one morning at like four in the morning and stole one of those gnomes. And we took it out, partied with it, drinking, took it scuba diving, took it to the gun range, played mini golf. I took it bungee jumping and we took all these pictures of it. And that, that was our class project. We like gave them all. The, but anyways, they got pissed because they knew that it was us. They were like, yeah, it was that Navy class that stole it. I know it. Those guys are. So they probably, I think they beat us down for a good three hours one day and just as a class for all out there and nobody saying shit. And uh, one of the, one of the guys came out and he's like talking to the dude. He's like, look at them, dude. They're n- nobody's going to rat each other out there. Like you're wasting your time. <laughs> you know, they're, we're just being smart asses. They're like, you done yet? And we're like, Oh, d- did we start yet? And um, it was, it was a lot of fun, but uh, you know, that's funny. <laughs> That's always when you knew you had a good class is when yeah. <laughs> you just, you knew you could just sit there and they, they were just, they wouldn't complain to each other. Nobody would talk while they're just, they're just going at it. And you're yeah, just, like, just be like, are you guys done uh, warming up yet? Or can we start mm-hmm. the workout now? <laughs> and then you as a student are like, well, it's going to be a long day, but we're going to just get a good workout. Yeah. <laughs> so don't need to go to the gym later. But uh, the other thing, Joey, that you were talking about too, like being the liaison with the engineers and stuff, we had another, uh, another Navy EOD guy on here, Chad Monroe, awesome dude, did a lot of stuff when he was in. And uh, he was talking about that too. I think that's something that is a popular thing for a lot of military guys being that kind of liaison like that for the, the sort of the, where the rubber meets the road type of person, um, especially when you're dealing with people like engineers. Cause he told us, it's one of my favorite jokes now about scientists. He goes, you know how you can tell a, an, a scientist who's an introvert from one who's an extrovert. He said, oh. a, a scientist who's an introvert stares down at their shoes. He said, a scientist who's an extrovert stares at your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, so I, I get that. That's awesome because that's, like I said, that's just something that I think people in the military are naturally good at, um, you know, because of those high human skills that Harrison, I make sure I give him his props because that's like one of my new favorite terms now. So, well, I, yeah. I wanted to that's talk about. I hadn't heard that term. I like it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Harrison, awesome dude. I like listening to his podcasts and his uh, his stuff too. And I need to get his book. I haven't got his book yet, but. 
Um, the other thing we wanted to chat about was your blog, uh, another average Joe, which I, I enjoy it. And, uh, I wanted to kind of highlight that a little bit cause I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I, I started as a blog. Um, I'll give you guys kind of a background on it. So, um, you know, I go by Joey and so it just kind of worked out. I was trying to think of names and I didn't want it to be air force specific. Uh, you know, I wanted to, like, how can I start to tell a little bit about my story? And I think part of it was that I would, you know, I got out so quick. Right. And so at, it took a few months of being out and like, cool, like, you know, I'm learning a new job. Everything's kind of stabilized. Then I started to like, think back on it, you know? And, uh, so I was like, well, how can I help? And, you know, with the name, it's a branding, all that kind of stuff is important. So I, I didn't want it to be like, oh, you know, for Air Force only. And so um, I, you know, you, when you get out, you did all this cool stuff. And then now you feel like another average Joe. So that's kind of the, you know, meaning behind a little bit behind the name. Um, but then it's all, you know, I guess there's like some dual meaning behind it too, right? Because um, I think, you know, you can do extraordinary things and this may be more often to the mindset conversation, but, you know, you can do extraordinary things, but it, you know, at the end of the day, right, you're still just an average person um, doing extraordinary things. So that's kind of the, the meaning behind the brand a little bit. And I'm trying to work through uh, developing it more. So I started it as a blog. Um, I wanted to just kind of tell my story of, you know, making the decision to get out the process I went through and uh, what helped me. And then right now I'm just put down a few resources and where I'm really looking to take it next is I want to start having other veterans uh, kind of talk through their story. So, you know, have them basic, basically have a chance to write it out uh, and they can publish it and, and I'll give them the freedom, you know, put your name or don't, right? If you, if you want to just write it out and talk about some things that you don't want your name associated with, I'll, I'll keep it, you know, and just because I think that's helps people a lot uh, to kind of just talk about their experience and then it's two-sided right so I've I've you know say selfishly I've uh, helped myself a lot through trying to help everyone else um, but also it you know by putting those stories out there it helps the people that are kind of in that grind right they're like six months to a year out and maybe they don't know exactly what they're going to do they can find this story of a guy or gal you know so and so who man that sounds a lot like me and now here they are doing their thing. Um, so that's kind of where I'm looking where I'm looking to take it. Well, you know, like that's the, that's the thing with the, the start of this podcast was really me going through the Navy tap class and getting really frustrated with it being, you know, an inch deep and, and I was in a retired class and I just didn't feel like it covered a whole lot of things in depth like I would have hoped it would and some things it didn't cover at all like TRICARE they gave us a phone number of somebody to call that would answer our questions which I found really frustrating and you know I think it's great that you're doing what you're doing because anyway we can help folks out you know part of this too I'm I'm the you know I, I'm the animal in this experiment as well as a transitioning service member with about four months left you know, and, and I've learned a ton going through this, you know, I'm the one when I like today, 
I went on to, I went on Little Creek to do some uh, physical therapy and I get pulled aside by, I got pulled aside by three people while I was in physical therapy to talk about stuff about the podcast and stuff that I've learned on the podcast and uh, VA claim things. And, you know, uh, if that would have been this time last year or even this time uh, at the end, or if it had been the end of 2020, I'd have had to just give them a dumb look and shrug my shoulders because I didn't know. But now uh, I have a pretty good idea, you know, and a lot of it has to do because I've been down that road a little bit, but I tell you, I owe the vast majority of that knowledge I've picked up from uh, doing this and talking to the folks that we've had on here, talking to folks like you, reading the, the blogs like you talk about. Uh, I go on Reddit. There's subreddits on there that talk about VA issues and things like that. Um, meeting folks. I, I met with a guy who has a really big YouTube channel, uh, Jameson Travels. Um, I met him this weekend up in my hometown. Uh, it, it's just been a phenomenal journey of learning as I'm transitioning out. And I think it's, you know, and the, and the biggest thing too, I think why Trevor and I do this is just to give back as well. The same reason you're doing what you're doing, because I think that's really, as much as it's helping me out, I, I really, you know, and I don't really care uh, to make any money on this ever whatsoever. Uh, the money I make is, is the, is the fact that people ask me those questions when I'm on Little Creek. You know, that's, that's the mental money, you know, that's, that's where it's made. And that people will reach out with an email and say, Hey, you know, thanks. You know, that episode was great. It really helped me. I never thought of that or whatever, you know, and, and those that pays more than anybody could ever offer me in, in anything. And, and we, you know, and Trevor, and I go over to, I go over to Trevor's house and we edit the podcast and sit there and drink coffee and, and shoot the shit. And that's just time well spent with, you know, your friends and brothers that you just will never get back. It, it also makes me think about how grown up we are now that we're drinking coffee instead of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I'll tell you, man, like something that I've learned in, in, Joey, I'm sure you probably have learned that like vets love helping other vets. Um, yeah. I don't know, you know, any other vets who like, I've been like, Hey, could you help me with this? And they'd be like, no, um, dude. Yeah. Guys get excited about it. Cause they know it's, it's just like, uh, you know, think about when you got through your unit and you were new there and like you had, yeah, people probably, you know, told you to go pick up like a pen 15 request form or, whatever the bucket of steam, all that stuff. Like, um, but you know, at the same time, there's also tons of folks that are there to help you along and show you the ropes. Yeah. And that's, that's the other aspect of it too. So I started out, I called it, you know, another average Joe, a veteran story. And then um, a few months ago, I launched another average Joe veteran community. And, and that's all about the community aspect because I feel like um, the more organizations I, that I've connected with, right? That's what people miss. They miss that community. Whatever, you know, they background they come from, they get out and they, you know, they feel like they're not in a community anymore. So um, I've been connecting with all kinds of, you know, nonprofits and I, you know, I want to encourage everyone um, to kind of find where they belong, right? Another, you know, the better community or whatever I'm creating here might not be for you. But what I hope to do is that that community exists out there somewhere for you, right? There's, I'm convinced at this point, there's so many organizations that help veterans and there's smaller organizations, right? But um, if I can just help spread the word about more of them, then, you know, people can find what's right for them. 
Yeah. And it's good. You know, I, that's why I started volunteering with like the honor foundation, which, you know, was small. It's, it's starting to grow. And I think that's awesome because like they definitely go above and beyond what, what they're going to get from the DOD in terms of, of transition. I just think that they do an awesome job of, of how they, how they do everything. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of that, but uh, my other thing that I'm excited about too, is now we can actually start going out and doing some in-person stuff. So there's a couple of things this weekend that hopefully I'll, I'll be able to go to at least one of them, if not both. Yeah. I'm actually, there's a, uh, I forget the, uh, I forget the guy's name right now, but there's a guy, um, I think he's a, an air force vet, but uh, he runs kind of a Charlotte uh, veterans just in general meet up and they'd been you know doing virtual for like the last year or so now but they're i think uh june is gonna be their first uh kind of dual dual purpose they're going to do an in-person and a virtual on two different days so you know whatever you feel comfortable with you're ready to start you know going to a i think it, they hold it at some kind of downtown bar or restaurant just to get people you know and there's really no i, I mean I, you know he does try to get some companies and stuff out there if you're you know transitioning but in general it's more just a get together right like yeah tell us about yourself and and meet other veterans where you live which i think is great well that's yeah that's, towards charlotte make sure you i don't th- i think is josh over there somewhere around josh charlotte, king yeah yeah first sergeant little top oh lord yeah oh you man talk gotta... about a, that, that guy is so talented i mean he's a we had him on an episode i mean the, the stuff that he makes on youtube and the, I mean, that guy is such an artist. Uh, he's making the uh, Navy Special Operations Foundation uh, memorial to be put on Little Creek. I've seen some of the the stuff he's doing. He'll put it on Facebook every now and then. And I mean, the, I don't know what's in that guy's mind. I don't even know if I'd want to look what's in that guy's mind. But the stuff he puts actually, you know, pen to paper and what he creates, you know, uh, on computer graphics and what he ends up actually physical, uh, the, the modeling that he makes is is phenomenal. I mean, he's just phenomenal. I don't know how he does it. And he's won like two Emmys too, right? Yep. He yeah. Won two Emmys. <laughs> That's the, that was <laughs> That's the crazy. thing that surprised me. I was like, what that dude from my favorite YouTube video was won two Emmys. So yeah, it's crazy what you learn about people. Well, that's, that's awesome. How do, how do people find um, the, so the community pages, is, is there a link to that off of the, um, the website? Uh, there is so um, the biggest, the easiest way to find me is just uh, another average joe.com uh, all one word and then uh, my biggest kind of social media presence is actually Instagram so another underscore abg underscore joe um, if you look there I've got kind of one of those like landing page links that takes you to kind of everything you'd want to take you to the blog uh, right now the community kind of lives on a discord server um, so it's kind of a modern version of forums uh, app but it's a you know free social media platform that you can download and uh i I like it because it's you know it's already i didn't have to do any really development work uh i'm not the uh you know i have an engineering background but i'm not building to the level where i'm building my own platform yet so yeah um but yeah that's where you can find me kind of the two big places i'm also on linkedin another average joe veteran story uh, page and post uh, periodically on there as well. How's that like the the community building thing? Because um, I, you know, we we try to do. I mean, obviously, we love sharing the information. That's what, why we started the podcast. Um, we haven't really 
built like a, you know, anything like that, like what elite meat has or the honor foundation or anything maybe in the future. Um, but yeah, what's that been like? It's been interesting, right? So I think, um, elite meat and the honor foundation, uh, I, I'm not as, as familiar with the honor foundation. I, I certainly have heard about them, but, um, you know, even within the like transitioning military, which is already kind of an, a niche environment, they're like super refined. I'm less that way, right? I, I want like all veterans. And so it's a little bit different problem to solve for the community aspect because there's the, the background is a lot more varied, right? Than, than elite meat, for example. And so, you know, I have not done any in-person things yet. I'm just trying to build kind of the online space where people that are transitioning and have questions can, you know, go find resources and then talk to other people that are transitioning, right? Because collectively uh, there's more knowledge there than just the one person or me putting out a resource. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of how I'm growing it right now um, as a, a virtual first space. That way, you know, I, I started it obviously partly because of COVID uh, that way, but also, you know, people now people kind of across the, the world really can connect, right? So like if you're stationed overseas and you're getting ready to get out and you're trying to find resources back in the U.S. or whatever. Uh, you're not really limited um, by kind of trying to put it all together in one place. Yeah, I like that because it's you know even as great as like things like Elite Meat and uh, the Honor Foundation are, they, you know they still you know they don't have unlimited resources. Obviously, like funding for those organizations comes you know, from donations from other nonprofits like the, you know, the Marine Raider Foundation, the Navy SEAL Foundation, uh, the, the Green Beret Foundation, like, you know, all that stuff costs money. And, you know, they, I think they do a pretty good job of, of being thrifty with that because they understand like, especially elite meat, right? Um, we had Garrett, uh, who's the Garrett Harrell, who's the new COO on there. And he was like, Hey, you know, there's only two people who get paid <laughs> for, for, for elite meat, like the rest of that money goes towards the mission of, you know, putting these guys in events, you know, getting, you know, cause they, the whole intent of that is like, you don't pay a dime for any of this stuff. We cover the cost of travel and, and all that. But of course they, you know, have to go out and get sponsorships to be able to do that stuff. You know, I'm not to that level yet. One of the, you know, great organizations I've connected with, obviously in addition to elite meat, uh, it's called patrol base Abate. So, um, uh, I think it's just pbabate.org is their website. Um, they're a nonprofit that was founded by a Marine uh, major who's actually currently an instructor at the Naval Academy. Um, but uh, it's uh, named in honor of Sergeant Abate. And I don't know the story, but he was killed in action uh, on the first deployment. And, and um, at the time, uh, you know, I don't remember his rank, but now Major Schumer was the uh, commanding officer. Uh, when he was killed. So that's kind of to honor him, but um, they are doing like physical meetups and stuff like that. They started a book club. And I think this summer they're going to do their first like actual veteran retreats. They've got a ranch in Montana, I believe. Um, and they're, you know, hosting three or four different actual meetups. So I'm working with those uh, guys to try to help support them. And, you know, people are looking to get together, right? I don't offer that necessarily, but I can connect you to these guys who offer that. And there's a couple other organizations as well. So 
that kind of stuff is what I'm looking to do. I still think that's key. What you're, what you're talking about and what we're, what we're talking about, the in-person meeting and staying connected and all that, you know, we've said it before, but that's so key to everyone's mental health and it's still maintaining that sense of belonging. And I think I, I'm no mental health expert, but you know, I, I think that would go, a ways to reducing the 22 a day if we just keep pushing folks to maintaining that connectiveness and 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 that you know that tie into the veteran community you know because i think you know at least i can speak for like my grandfathers that, that they they stay connected through the shriners and the american legion and and those types of you know mo the motorcycle clubs that they were in and all those types of things and that's why i don't think you saw such a high rate and and they had a lot more folks who had served at that time so because of the population was lower in the in the in the rate of folks who were serving what's much higher per capita but you know i think it's so key with you know social media and everything and us being so disconnected as a population right now i think it's so critical that we get together and meet face to face and really leverage these types of things that you're talking about for folks and, and maintain that connectedness. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And one of the things, right. So I'm trying to like piece it all together, right. So that you've got the, the resources, the community, and then really the next kind of phase, if you will, or the next step is I need to, I'm going to start moving to, um, and, and this is less uh, defined, right. But, I need to be where those transitioning service members are at, right? I need to get onto the bases, into the TAP classes, listed as a resource or something, right? Um, my goal is never to uh, like officially change the TAP program, right? I, I want to kind of handle it from an outside approach because I think we can move faster that way. Um, but one of the things that somebody had mentioned to me uh, recently was like, hey, it's great that you have, you know, you're doing all this work in your own. Uh, Instagram and, and pretty much every social media thing, but like where, where are the people that are, that you're trying to help, where are they finding you? And, you know, I was like, well, you know, one thing we could do better is starting to get into the bases and, and start working it. I did work a, a while back and got um, listed on uh, military one source as a resource to kind of help funnel folks that way. But uh, uh, there's a, you know a vetting process essentially, and so right now I'm only listed on the um, kind of support side. So if you're if you work for Military One Source and you're helping a transitioning veteran, they can find me in their library. But if you are just a you know service member trying to get out and you you type me in on uh, One Source, it doesn't show up yet. So I'm trying to get get that through as well uh, because I think again meeting the service members where they are and then giving them the resource right at my, my whole thing is that not only find the resources, but just start as early as possible because it, you know, whether you are going to do your, you know, one enlistment or whatever, or you're going to do a career, like you're going to get out at some point and it's just something you need to think about it. And the reason I care so much about it is because I didn't, you know, plan nearly enough. Um, and I know a lot of folks don't either. So I just want to really encourage people like, you're going to get out at some point and you, you learn, you know, all kinds of great stuff in the military, but if you don't take the time it, because it is a process, right. You're going to, there's a high chance you're going to fail at first. And I think that's, I mentioned this before on another podcast where 
you know, a lot of veterans, they don't stick around in a job very long, their first job, you know? And I think that's the reason is because they don't spend enough time prior to getting out, thinking about what is important to them. And it's, you know, it's not something I can answer for you, but I want to provide you the resources in the community to kind of do that. Well, I think it's critical too. I don't, you know, they don't talk about it much. I don't think they talked about it at all. If, if they did, I don't remember it. Maybe it's because I was so frustrated with it, but finding a mentor on the way out. And if you don't, I think you set yourself up for complete failure unless you really have your stuff in one sock, which I, I don't, and I've been in for 30 years and, 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 and get multiple ones if you can, that, that can help coach you on the way out to make it successful because the more mentors you have, the more folks are going to go, Hey, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Well, what about this? Well, let me introduce you to them. Talk to this person. And that's really going to open your eyes to a lot of other things. If you just grab your DD 214 and you read it and walk out the gate with your head down, you're screwed and you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think that's what a lot, I, I think, honestly, I, I think that's, and, and, I, I, I truly, truly appreciate the folks that do teach the tab class because they are given a limited amount of resources, a finite amount of resources. They have a syllabus to teach and they do the best they can. And that, I am not knocking them what, whatsoever. They have a tough job and I wouldn't want to do it, you know, but I think what we, we just, and, and it's, you, we, we, when people come to a command and they're new, we assign a sponsor. You almost need a sponsor you need to sponsor them on the way out is what they need to do because it's, it's almost as difficult to bring them in as it is to get them out, you know, because we've changed our mindsets. We've changed the way we think about things we've changed, you know, and for some of us, we've been behind the wire for, up, you know, th up to three decades and now we're just going to, okay, now it's your time to leave. Beat it, Roach. That's not the way, that's not the way we set people up for success here. You know, you have to, you have to mentor and, and you, it's, it's a redevelopment or a development process to get them properly set up for success on the way out. So, well, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you were mentioning some of the resources. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what those are? Yeah. So um, I tried to break it up in different ways. So a lot of organizations focus, you know, solely on like, you know, career aspects or whatever. So I tried to cover a broad range of resources. And again, I'm trying to, you know, build this all out kind of as I can find more. Um, I started initially just with what helped me, right? So I used um, Elite Meet. Uh, I did work through the USO Pathfinder program. I did have a, a um, person that helped me there. I, I didn't really, uh, only thing I'll say on the, the USO Pathfinder program is I should have started sooner, right? They, they run into the same problem with the TAP, uh, limited resources, right? They're, they do great work. But by the time I got connected with the guy and I was like, man, I'm three months from getting out. And he's like, well, I need more time to find you stuff to help you, you know? So um, if you're going to do that, just start that sooner. I, I think it's a great resource. Um, and then I used, uh, I, as I mentioned, Canderful interview prep. So I would recommend them to anyone. Uh, they are uh, expanding. And uh, last time I talked with um, them about it, they had, I want to say it was like close to 30 people. Uh, that, and it's, it's just via Zoom. Or, or some other, uh, I think it's Zoom, but it's virtual interview coaching, um, totally free for service members and their spouses. So no cost to you. Uh, they'll do like a three 
um, they try to do like three within a week just to get you like really kind of spun up. And then what they'll do is as you find jobs, you can send them the job description with your tailored resume and they'll actually try to find you somebody, you know, close to that industry and then interview for that job. So again, earlier, the better start that, get your one week and then do some top off interviews with them. Um, you know, as you apply to specific jobs that, that, that really helped me a lot. Um, so those were kind of the, the big, and then obviously SkillBridge, right? We talked about that in the beginning. So um, those are kind of the resources I use starting out. Uh, since then, as I've kind of, you know, grown and connected, uh, obviously the patrol base Abate is, is I think a huge resource. Um, and there's another um, kind of a bigger resource library, if you will, uh, called Vets to Industry. I imagine you've probably seen them. They have a pretty big LinkedIn mm -hmm. presence. Uh, so they've got a huge uh, free resource library as well. I've not fully checked everything out that they have, um, but I am trying to get connected with the, the founder of it and, uh, you know, kind of see how we can work together on that end. Um, and those are kind of the, I guess, the big resources right now. And I noticed uh, one, another one you had on your website, we actually had on the show a while back, uh, fellow Mountaineer, Natalie Oliverio from, uh, uh, military talent partners. I, I thought that was a really good one too. Um, yeah. yeah. I took her. Um, oh man. What's the name of that program she runs? Uh, I can't even remember it now. There's a program where they basically go through and, and she puts you in like small groups of other veterans where you talk through and like each week, it's kind of a different topic. It's like resumes, interview, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a great program too. Um, and I actually found a, about them through, uh, or her through elite meat, uh, as well. <laughs> yeah. So I tell you another one that I've heard a lot of good things about, and I think Mike actually did it was, uh, the commit foundation as well. Yep. I did. It was a great, it was a great program and, uh, it really helped me prep for THF too. really, because I think THF was a lot more in depth and a lot longer, uh, commit was, uh, some, a lot more one-on-one, -on -one. um, THF was a lot more honor foundation was a lot more process oriented and much more in depth. I, I thought, but T uh, commit will definitely set you up for success as well. Yeah. They, I think they did. They're kind of like more one-on-one -on -one versus like THF, which is like a, a big cohort. So yep, definitely check them and out. I, and I think also at the time that I went through commit, it was in the middle of COVID too. So that hamstrung a lot of the, the things we got to do too. I know they were doing some uh, in-person seminar stuff for a couple of days, maybe I think it was two, three, four days, I think is what commit was doing. And then thanks to COVID, they weren't doing any of that, but I think they're getting ready to start that stuff back up if they haven't already. So I'm looking forward to maybe doing a couple of things with them before I transition out too. Yeah. Joseph, uh, where's, where's the, uh, sorry, Joey, <laughs> where's the best spot people can connect with you? Uh, so again, the Instagram is probably the best place to connect. Uh, I post there pretty regularly and then, you know, my people feel free to DM me, uh, on there, another underscore ABG underscore Joe. Um, that's kind of where I'm the most active. And then again, it's got links back to everything. Well, I got to well, ask one question. As a, since I'm an aviation nerd and you're a 15 guy, did you ever fly against the 22 
And if so, how was it? Um, I, I did. Uh, it was challenging, but not, uh, you know, that news article that's going around about the one F-22 takes out five F-15s. It's not quite that level. I didn't think so. so. I thought that was a bridge too far. Yeah. I thought whoever put that out was probably full of crap because the 15 is a pretty good aircraft. And I was like, yeah, 22 is pretty good, but come on Maverick. That's uh, I think you're full of shit. Yeah. I mean, some... it's, it's pretty impressive to see them, especially uh, maneuvering up close is they, they beat up. And then even, you know, uh, the E model is got the uh, conformal fuel tanks that are attached. So we're, we're really good at going in a straight line. Um, and that's, you know, our turn radius is not great. So we, uh, we lose that battle, but uh, it's not quite as lopsided as the news well, says. If I'm not mistaken, though, isn't the F-15 like the, you know, the most successful aircraft when it comes to dogfighting and in the world right now? Yeah, as far as the uh, win to loss ratio, it's, it's still number one. Yeah. But well, it- yeah, I mean, you look at the countries that have used it, you know, us and Israel primarily. Uh, that have you know used it in combat more or less uh and it's a pretty impressive record yeah well that's i was i was watching some videos on the new one what do they call it the the ex yeah the ex it looks pretty cool so it does i do i do wish like one day i could get a, a ride in that thing uh it's you know it looks the same from the outside or it looks very similar from the outside that they if you know if you pay attention there's a few differences but uh from what i understand as far as the avionics and everything else goes, it's a totally different airplane. It's completely upgraded. So, yeah, I was working on Capitol Hill when that program came back in, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna bring out this EX," and that that raised a lot of, uh, "Hey, what the heck is this thing?" <laughs> and that raised a lot of questions, calling back to the Air Force. Uh, you know, I thought you guys were buying 35s and 22s. What's this? What's this 15 EX? What? What? It, is this smoke and mirrors? What are we doing here? You know, it was. It was some. It was a funny time. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I mean, the 22. You know, General Brown just came out recently and said it's not in their long-term plan anymore. I don't know how much you guys keep up with that, but I um, did see that. I, I yeah. nerded out on. I think those things are cool. Well, we we live like right across the the James river from where Langley is. So yeah. I actually see them fly over here sometimes, but uh, I always thought that would be fun. I don't know. I'm, I've never been huge on flying. I like, I actually feel better jumping out of a plane than I do flying in one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, so I've never jumped out of an airplane. Um, but funny story on flying. I had never flown an airplane, like not even like a commercial plane to go fly on an airline. Um, and I was like already uh, had accepted the RTC scholarship and was a freshman in college. And then I flew on a KC-135 tanker, uh, ref- watching refuel strike eagle, strike eagles out over the Atlantic. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I have not the traditional background in that. I, you know, I didn't grow up as a little kid at air show thinking I want to do that forever. I just one day saw it and was like, man, this seems great. Let's try and do it. <laughs> First time yeah. I ever flew on a commercial airliner was going to boot camp. Me too. Other than when I was two months old. And then the next time was when I was 19 going to boot camp to Orlando, Florida. Wild, wonderful West Virginia. We don't fly anywhere. We go to yeah. Myrtle Beach. <laughs> no, that was, yeah, we drove to Myrtle Beach too. That's funny. They call Myrtle Beach the southernmost city in West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's where everybody. There was even a WVU sports bar there. I thought that was hilarious. That's not surprised. Have you guys seen October Sky? Yep. I assume. Uh, when she says she's going to leave him and go to Myrtle Beach, that's all, all I think about when you guys are saying that. Well, it's funny because my uh, my dad's mom is from Conway, which is real close to Myrtle Beach. My my grandfather came back from World War II, and he was stationed at the Air Force Base there at Myrtle Beach, and that's where he met my grandmother. <laughs> yeah. This is like class. You couldn't get more stereotypical than that. And then he went back to West Virginia and worked in the coal mines. So... <laughs> Well, Joey, hey, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking about that. Uh, you know, A, the skill bridge, which I, I think we definitely need to highlight more. More people need to be aware of that. And, you know, another average Joe. And feel free to throw us on there as a resource, too. Um, you know, and even if somebody just wants to call me or Mike and say, like, hey, can you tell me about this or that? I, I love sharing info. And that's why we're on here. And we're glad that you were able to come on here and, and share a little bit yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks so much for having me. I just want to, I'll leave kind of, you know, just a couple of final thoughts, right? So if you're uh, getting ready to get out of the military and, and you're listening to this, I would just say uh, my kind of rule that I give people is whatever time you think you're going to need to get out, just double it. Whatever number is in your head, you know, I, I'm not going to throw a number out there because I don't want to influence you, but whatever number you've told yourself you need that much time to get out, just double that. Um, and then obviously skill bridge. And then the third thing I would say is just to seek a mentor like Mike talked about. So those are kind of my three things. Start early, uh, skill bridge and seek a mentor. Great advice, Joey. Really appreciate you coming on. I think it's uh, set people up success and, and paying it back and giving back to the veteran community. That's what we're all about. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet. <laughs>